This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. Today we've got a very special guest with us. Been trying to arrange this for a while, but you know, God's timing is perfect. We have uh, brother and pastor Pascal Kreitz with us. Um, very, again, very excited. He's going to share some uh, some incredible things that God has done and God is doing. But um, uh, brother Kreitz, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell the listeners a bit about you, your ministry, where you currently serve, and what God's doing in your life. Sure thing. First, it is uh, my honor to be invited and to be with you uh, on this podcast. Thank you for the invitation and glory to the Lord. Uh, May it increase and help somebody's faith and may the Lord touch through this podcast uh, here. Uh, I uh, pastor uh, in Western Maryland, in the mountains of Western Maryland in Garrett County. It's about two hours south of Pittsburgh, and uh, I pastor in a little town, believe it or not, called Accident, Maryland, and we came here in 2013, and there were 22 voters at the time, and the Lord has saw fit by his grace and mercy alone to give great revival, and now we have another campus in Oakland, Maryland, which is about 20 miles from here, and a daughter work about 30 miles in LaVale, Maryland. So we operate three campuses. I'm the direct pastor of two of them, and then I've installed a pastor in our daughter work, and I kind of oversee that. But all of this is only by God's glory because there ain't a thing special about me. I am as ordinary as yesterday's work boots. (laughs) I'm married to my beautiful wife, Becky. We've been married for... Uh, just about 25 years, and I have three wonderful sons, uh, Elijah, uh, who is 18, Nathaniel, who is 15, and then little Isaiah, who is five years old. So uh, we do a good bit of traveling uh, as well, and uh, but that's, that's where home base is, uh, here in the mountains of western Maryland, uh, uh, again, about three hours west of Baltimore. Amen. Uh, wow. Uh, so you've got your hands full, sir, and you still uh, you still preach. Uh, you preach out, preach revivals and things like that. So, uh, man, yes, sir. You, you're very busy. <laughs> well, the Lord the Lord has seen fit to give us a, a wonderful staff and some great ministers and uh, so forth. And uh, uh, especially after what the Lord has has done and so forth, we have we have. Uh, traveled uh, extensively 
but not to the, uh, we do it as the Lord opens doors. The Lord gave me a word about that, uh, my dear brother, and, and told me, he said, you're not an evangelist, so to speak. You don't need to look for doors. He said, but when I open a door, walk through it. And so basically that's what, that's what we try to do. And that takes us, uh, uh, we'll be in Florida in February and uh, California in January here in a couple of weeks. And, and uh, we don't do it to the detriment of the home church. So we try to be very careful with our scheduling because I understand that nobody can take the place of the pastor and um, Brother Bishop Doug White, who is a elder in my life, uh, he told me and he told our church, he said, Brother Kreitz's ministry, it's not better than accident. In no way is it better. But God's just used it to be bigger than a single city. And uh, so he kind of put it in perspective. So, yeah, we try to keep busy and it keeps us out of trouble. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, so... Um, over the last few years, um, I'd been following, you know, your ministry, and uh, I was excited about uh, what God was what God was doing. Uh, so I, I'm I'm very excited for you to sort of share that, uh, put it into uh, a clear picture uh, for the listeners um, of of what uh, was going on, um, you know, what God did, uh, and what God's done since then. Um, so. I'm going to give you the floor, and I'm just going to have you share it, bro. Yes, sir. Uh, I do so all glory to the Lord. He's the only reason I'm alive, and I am absolutely helpless without Jesus Christ, as I know we all are. Uh, what exactly happened was on Black Friday of 2016, uh, I got a sharp pain in my back. And uh, I thought I twisted a muscle or whatever, and uh, we were actually in Baltimore at the time. And uh, on the way back, I had began to become fevered. Well, we stopped at, uh, you know, one of those local urgent care, MedExpress, and uh, I was did a chest X-ray, and here I had pneumonia. And uh, so they gave me antibiotics, and, you know, for what they would consider community-acquired pneumonia, but it never went away. Then the antibiotics would knock it down, but not out. Soon as I would go off antibiotics, the fever would go back up. Uh, symptoms would come back, antibiotics again. And uh, this went on for quite, for at least two months. And I was just kind of doing urgent cares because since I had left the pastor, I hadn't got reestablished. We'd been busy with a primary care uh, physician. I had one at home uh, in Kaiser, West Virginia, which is my uh, hometown, and had had a doctor there for many years. And uh, it kept getting worse, and to the place that I was coughing up blood, things like that. And uh, my wife was pregnant with our uh, third child at the time. And finally, this began in November, finally, uh, in uh, March, I mean, it was just on again, off again. You know, you take antibiotics, it would knock it down, and then it would come roaring back. Finally, I said, let's go back to my family doctor. Well, they did a culture and sensitivity on the junk that was in my lungs. Here to find out it was a strep bacteria, and uh, all the antibiotics that I had been on from November through March 
were not the the bacteria was not sensitive to it. So all it would do is just kind of punch it, slap it, but it, it did nothing to kill it. They got me on right medication, and, and for all intents and purposes, seemed like everything was well. Uh, things cleared up, and uh, we, my wife had uh, Isaiah on, in March, and everything was, was good. And then we were in Florida, actually, and it wasn't a ministry trip. Uh, we had went for vacation. And uh, on the last few days of the vacation, I got a terrible terrible headache uh, on the right side of my head in the right temple and it wasn't you know a headache like that was anything normal it felt like someone had taken a very sharp object and just stabbed me right in the temple and just held it there and I was you know I had battled all my life I had battled sinus infections and things we didn't know what was going on never had I had a headache like that and um it was it was just really bad and so it was so bad that we canceled the flight home and just decided to drive back because of the altitude changes and stuff the crazy stuff that that can can do to you and uh as the days went on after our arrival home the headache uh it was severe and then i my wife is only our past my past or my wife our pastor's wife, she's also a, an RN. And uh, she began to notice subtle neurologic changes. Uh, I, I did at the last, to make a long story short on this end, I began to hallucinate. Um, I began to walk uh, with a scissor. They said, with well, your legs cross uh, like a stroke victim. I was totally uh, just out of it. And at that point, uh, she took us to our local hospital uh, where I was misdiagnosed, but that's a whole nother story. God always has a plan, even when things go wrong. And uh, finally, uh, the day after that, I continued to worsen, and she took me to West Virginia University Hospital Medical Center. Uh, when I got there, now I'm from here on, I'm recounting from memory. Uh, not my memory, but the memory of what I've been told, because at this point I really lost, uh, I lost the ability to remember most of what happened here over probably the next few minutes of what I will say. I was in the emergency room and, uh, they quickly did a CAT scan and the doctor told my family that it's one of three things. Uh, he's either got a, a tumor He's got a blood clot or there is an abscess. And so they wanted to immediately admit me and do an MRI. And uh, so they started the IV. They did all of that. Uh, that evening, the plan was to do the MRI that night and then the next morning, you know, decide a treatment plan. When they did an MRI, the MRI showed that I had had an abscess. Uh, an abscess on the right temporal lobe of my brain and the and uh the neurosurgeon whose name was dr cifarelli uh he come out and he told my wife and he said it's going to require brain surgery and she said okay will this be tomorrow and he said no they're doing it getting ready to do it right now and so i could not sign the consent 
I don't remember, you know, I was just at that point, neurologically, I was extremely impaired. And I was, you know, just helpless for the most part. They did the brain surgery and uh, they went in and got as much of the infection. The problem was that when they went in to do the surgery, they had discovered that the abscess had ruptured. And of course, an abscess is a encapsulated pocket of infection. When it, when it ruptured, all that infection went through the ventricles of my brain and into the cerebral spinal fluid. And I had, I can't remember, I had ventriculitis and I, all of these different medical terms. And the neurosurgeon, after the fact, told me that once that infection got into your cerebral spinal fluid, he said, medically, he said, you had a 1% chance to live. That was it, 1%. Wow. That's all you had. He said, I, brother, I had lost the ability to walk. I had lost my basic motor skills were inhibited. Um, after surgery, of course, my head was all wrapped up. And I, I don't remember much except, you know, laying in the bed. But I do know three days after the initial surgery, the neurosurgeon told my wife that he asked for permission to go back in. He said, we checked on your husband and we're having trouble getting him awake. They were afraid I was slipping into a coma and would die because the infection had done the damage. You know, they went in and, and, and got as much out and flushed as they could, but that infection had gotten all down into the ventricles and those crevices of the brain and into the, the, the spinal fluid and, and basically damage was, was done. And, and they, there was, you know, 1%. And he said, that he, he, what he told my wife was as a, his words, and I remember this because she told me and I've never forgot it. He said his words were as a last ditch Hail Mary effort to save your husband's life. He said, we would like to go back in and totally remove the right temporal lobe of his brain. Of course, at this time, there was all kind of specialists that were, you know, involved and, and, and so forth. And my wife, knowing the severity of it at this time, our third child was only three months of age. And, uh, you know, she was she was trying to it just was terribly stressful for my wonderful wife beyond what I could possibly think and she felt a check in the Holy Ghost thank God for praying wives she felt a check in the Holy Ghost and said no because she knew if you take out part of the brain he's he's never going to be the same he's never 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 I, I mean and so she believed to trust the Lord because of the check that she felt. The neurosurgeon was not happy with her. He looked her in the eyes and said, okay. He said, but we're racing the clock. We are racing the clock. And so I was in neuro ICU and uh, I was there uh, and, you know, for a period of time. And uh, like I said, at that point, I have very little to no memory of any of that except what's been told to me and I'll spare some of the wonderful details at this point and and uh but finally I had I had made enough small improvements that 
they moved me to another floor. Still, uh, still was not walking. All they were doing was uh, letting me go to a chair. My middle son was beating me, and uh, there was thought then that, oh my, if, if Mr. Christ would even survive this and make it through this, no doubt I'd be looking at months in a rehabilitation hospital, learning how to walk again, tie your shoes again, because of the neurologic damage that the infection had done in the brain. There was a cardiologist that I talked to that said he was on the treatment team uh, of a man that uh, had what, what I did, and he had a Ph.D. from Minnesota University, and he said he had a ruptured brain abscess, and after the damage was done, he was rendered to the intelligence of a 12-year-old child. And uh, so this this kind of continued on, um, not really just just kind of holding your own small improvements, um, but still not walking, still not, you know, still not doing the basic things, still not walking, uh, you know, to the bathroom in the room, things of that nature. Then finally, one day, I mean, prayer was being made uh, by the church that we pastor. Prayer was being made by those friends and family and our district. And, and then here's what happened. On a certain day, Two men of God, two wonderful friends and men of God, walked into my room that day, and they laid their hands on me and began to pray. And here's what's awesome. I did not speak with tongues. I didn't, I didn't fall out the bed. I didn't shiver. I didn't shake. All I did, they told me, was just make a grunt, just, an, just, a, you know, just, just some kind of a noise. And the one friend, Pastor Anthony Moss from Charleston, West Virginia, dear friend of mine, he said, I knew in that moment the Lord had touched you. And he did. The Lord, through the culmination of prayers, the Lord stepped into my room in those prayers that day, and he touched me. And two days later, I left the hospital under my own power. Immediately, my ability to walk came back. My motor skills came back. My ability to, to communicate came back. I left the hospital with no rehabilitation, no physical therapy, no occupational therapy, and the neurosurgeon called it a miracle. He told me, he said, you know there's more than medicine at work. He said, because this, basically this just doesn't happen. This just, it, does, it doesn't happen this way. And uh, a year later, and, and a year later, I went back because I go there to visit patients in that hospital, it being only about 45 minutes from here. And I ran into him in the hallway, and he looked at me, and he said, name, and I told him, and he said, it's not every day, he said, that I run into a miracle in the hallway. It's not every day I run. He said, we're still talking about your case out here at the university. And it was just an amazing and amazing. I was laying on a deathbed and Jesus raised me up. And then to go a bit farther, you said, you know, what, what happened afterwards was I came home. I've always believed in healing and divine healing. Never doubted it. Seen it, you know, several times. And, uh, but it was, wasn't, you know, something that, that I was 
used to, you know, it was just, it was awesome when it occurred. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just a nobody brother with a high school education, a little bit of college and, uh, nothing special about Pascal Kreitz, nothing, nothing special about me, nothing. But I came home when we came home, people started getting healed. I mean, and so much that it startled me in a good way. I thought, what in the world? I'd never seen anything like it. In the first month or two, there was 25 of our saints that instantly were healed, healed of various conditions. And so I began to seek the Lord, and then I knew what I needed to do. I needed to seek the help of elders and and, and ask them and talk to them. And uh, I'm... And so a dear person who I'm connected with, he connected me with some elders who walk in the spirit that everybody would know if I gave their names, but that's not important. And I began to talk to them, tell them everything that happened, and the Lord began to move. And I received a word from the Lord, and that word I shall never forget, and I remember it word for word. And I'll share it with you and with your audience. That word was this, the heavyweight attack you receive from the enemy is being replaced by a heavier weight of glory. And it is not because of you, nor is it because of your personality. It is because of my justice. And I, through prayer and through the wisdom and the counsel of multiple elders, uh, in our apostolic rank, I began then to understand that what God had done was to have allowed me only through his grace, authority over, over what I went through, which was disease and sickness and so forth. Once you go through things, sometimes then you got power over them is how they explained it to me. And God saw fit, uh, to this nobody to allow gifts of healing to, to, to flow and to let his name be glorified and his name be magnified. And it just continued on. Stage four cancer instantly healed, diabetes healed, macular degeneration healed, Crohn's disease healed, kidneys that were dead that hadn't functioned in five years instantly resurrected. Uh, and it, it just began, I mean, it just, it, it just caught absolute fire and i can't heal anybody of an infected eyebrow i can't even make a straight line with a ruler i'm nobody and there is no good thing in me but i have an extraordinary god and god saw fit to use what happened to be able to allow me by his hand to help those that are in similar situations and sicknesses and and disease and and things of that nature and how it it all started really outside of home was I was at one of our district meetings and one of our district board members came to me and he said, you know, Brother Kreitz, he said, I had been praying and he didn't know much that was going on outside of what I had been through, but not all of this stuff that had been happening. He said, I was praying about doing a healing meeting in our church that we just needed one. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're supposed to do it. And I thought, my God, you know, I had evangelized and pastored, and I mean, I'd seen healing and 
You know, we, there's nothing more important we know than people being filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And I still want everyone to know that. You can go to hell whole. Salvation is number one. But healing and deliverance is also the children's bread. It belongs to us. And so I was like, you know, a meeting like that, I had never done that. I mean, they're expecting that. And so all I knew was to put all my trust in the Lord, knowing what he did for me. And I went there that night with my eyes on Jesus Christ, and he did it. And he healed in that meeting. And then that led to another meeting, and he did it again. And that led to another, and he did it again. And it even led to us going overseas, and he did it there. And uh, and that's really what it's it's been in 2018. I was a witness, just a blessed witness of the Lord Jesus Christ healing over 1,000 abnormalities, sicknesses, diseases, even injuries, even learning disabilities. I could go on and on and on, and I've seen him do it. And that's and that was just in the year of 2018. And it's continued on into 2019 and 2020 and 2021 and and uh, and here we are, you know, now into 2023, and the Lord continues to do His His good work. And I I I just give Him glory and honor and praise because, like I said at the outset, my friend, there's nothing special about me, nothing. You get to know me, there's nothing special about me. There, my dad wasn't a preacher. My granddad wasn't a preacher. My great-granddad wasn't a preacher. My grandmother was who got me in church, and she immigrated here from Paris, France. But I stay submitted to my bishop, who is Brother Garlitz, uh, in Kaiser, West Virginia, and I've surrounded myself with apostolic elders who know they can call and speak into my life at any time because I, I, I wanted to stay on that that proper track and so forth and but it's just god it's just god i just show up the lord opens the door all i've got to do is show up and i give the, my testimony and i speak faith and i watch jesus do the work and then i rejoice in what jesus does and that's basically been what's happened since then and uh maybe i'll Get a little break here, so I don't talk so long. <laughs> but uh, that's that's a snippet of what happened. And the reason I started with the pneumonia is because somehow that bacteria going untreated so long in my lungs filtered through to the brain because they figured out that it was the same bacteria that caused the abscess that was in the lung. Wow. So that is a quick thumbnail, if I could you know, sketch of what's happened from 2017 until what the Lord continues to do now with uh, just somebody ordinary like me. Do you think that there's a correlation between your submission and to men of God and what God does through you now? There's no question about that. No question at all. I absolutely and firmly believe and have been even more convinced since 2017 that your level of spiritual power is directly equivalent and connected to your level of submission. Absolutely 100%. Everybody needs a pastor. Everybody needs to be submitted to somebody. 
everybody needs to be accountable. Everyone needs, if you can't be corrected, then, then you don't, God can't trust you with power because lone rangers become loose cannons. So I absolutely believe with all of my heart that submission is paramount, paramount to having the flow of the anointing in your life. I absolutely, there's no question about it. You said something else that was very powerful, um, and, and I think I think it's worth uh, addressing in in this manner um, how you you mentioned the word that you received from some elders and from God, and how yes. the things that we go through uh, that are. Undesirable. Uh, uh-huh. you know, oh, the, absolutely. The the things that we face, the things that we fight, the things that we 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 face the, in the spiritual uh, sense. Um, you and and I I think it's so powerful because it it can open the eyes of the the audience, the listeners, um, that maybe they're going through something and they're struggling. Uh, mm-hmm. But that on the other side of the struggle, just like Job, there is uh, twofold, or, or, or there's there's a, a multiplicity. There's an increase that happens in, in in your own spiritual authority when you can walk through it. Absolutely, I have found uh, since then, and the Lord's led me since then uh, to understand that many times. The size of the giant that is confronting you is actually testifying to the size of the victory that's coming. Wow. You know, it is true. The song says, when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown. And so many times, and I will say it now because I believe it's the absolute truth. There was Goliath staring down David, intimidating David, nine and a half feet tall, most scholars say against a shepherd boy. You look at that, that's a pretty big adversity. But actually what Goliath was doing was testifying or prophesying even to David and saying, you see me, see my size? That's the size of the victory you're about to have. That's the size of victory that's coming. And so many times what we face, what we face is just showing us and telling us the size of the victory that's coming if we'll just hold on. If we just hold on, stay faithful, keep praising, keep praying, keep worshiping, and keep believing that the size of what you're up against will be indicative of the size of the victory that's forthcoming. I feel the Holy Ghost right now, brother. <laughs> God is good. Yes, sir. The, uh, I, uh, I guess I'll just plug this in as we, as we get ready to close. Um, since it is sure. the, since it is the title um, of this particular episode, uh, as we're as we close out, um, it is so important that the people of God understand the importance of expectation and of expecting mm-hmm. God to move mm-hmm. and expecting God right. to do things. He said, "My mm-hmm. word." Well, the promises of God are yea and amen, which means. Everything that God has said, everything that God has promised will come to pass. Amen. And it's critical. Yes, sir. It's critical that the, the that the church 
doesn't just expect it, but that we're also walking yeah. in it and experiencing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that is, that is the truth. Um, you know, ex expectation is, is where it begins without faith. It is impossible to please God. God never created anything with his mouth shut. And we're not going to receive anything from God with our mouth shut. Wow. And that's why I believe it's important to pray. And when we come to the house of God, to lift our voice and to praise him and have faith and expectancy. Because expectancy, see, the Lord spoke to me. And that doesn't mean that, that I'm special. It means that maybe it means that, that I'm just, you know, not as smart as everybody else and I need a little more help. But the Lord spoke to me and when these healing meetings began, and I have learned his voice well since then, so well. And he told me, he said, my people have asked me in. He said, because they believe that I can only move, only heal, only whatever at an altar service. Here's what he told me and taught me. He said, when a person's faith, and I say that, off of what you just said. He said, when their faith and expectation intersect with my sovereignty, he said, at that moment, they can be healed. Wow. They just believe, if they just believe, and, and will reach out with that, with that faith that says, God, I believe you can. And that is why in many services, people are healed, sometimes half a dozen or more, depending on the crowd, before we ever get to the altar service. Because I, I'll tell them, I'll say, listen, I know this sounds funny. And I said, but I give you permission to be healed before I'm done. Because God's <laughs> not in a box. Amen. God can do it whenever he wants to, however he wants to. And if someone's healed, God did it. And if they're not healed, it's because God chose at that time not to. God's in control of the whole thing. And, but yes, expectation is an absolute key. And uh, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's the key to it. It's the key to it. You've you, you've got to look. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to believe. And uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen. Well, Brother Kreitz, uh, I appreciate you joining us, sharing your testimony and your heart with us. Um, I'm expecting in 2023 to see um, these uh, these types of things uh, more. Um, at the forefront, happening more often, and 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 nobody's uh, people that feel like they're nobodies um, will right. will be stepping on the stage here very soon. Um, and, yes, and, and and God will use God. You don't have to go, and you don't have to go through what I did. If you just after you will learn some of the tenets and believe God and tell him you're available. Lord, use me for your glory. And Lord, spend, and I'll just say this and, and, and be done. Lord, like a coin in your hand, spend me for your will and for your glory. You start praying that way, God will use anybody, no matter what your last name is, what your pedigree is, or where you're from. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Uh, that I, I can't remember exactly where it is. Um, Paul, he's talking about, um, what an honor it was for him to spend 
and be spent. Yes, exactly. And how we all know, you know, he he wrote, what, two-thirds of the New Testament that we recognize and we read and and we gleaned from. And, you know, he he had a past. We all know what his past was. Um, Just like any of us, just like, you know, he said himself, such were some of you. Um, But he came out and everything he did... He wanted to give glory to God, whether it was when he was in sh- in ships in transit to uh, back to Rome, or whether he was uh, in perils or in shipwrecks. And, and what did mm-hmm. he say? He said in 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 everything in prayer and supplication. That's right. And and that's that's the key of the whole thing is knowing that God does it all. Nobody can give anyone the Holy Ghost. Nobody can heal anybody. Nobody. It is God that does the work. God gets the glory. And and I, I tell to your point, I say that in every time that a pastor or whatever it might be will call and say, hey, can you come? Can, we're going to believe for healing or whatever it is. I tell them, I'll say, look, one of the ways that we can do something very bad is for anybody in this room to think they're responsible for anything that happens here tonight. All glory goes to God, and he will not share his glory with another. I am just dust, and so are we all. Dirt that God breathed into, and we became living souls. And it's only by his grace that I live. Everything I have belongs to God, and I'm I'm just thankful to be breathing, to be talking to you today. Amen. God is so good, and we can, as the church, going forward, continuing on into 2023, this new year, um, we can be a new church that is expecting, but not just expecting, but experiencing the supernatural, powerful experiences that the, the, you know, the New Testament church, you had, uh, they were having out-of-body experiences, he said, I don't know if I was mm-hmm. caught up in my body, out of my body. I don't yeah. know where I was. I don't know what I was doing. You had angels releasing them from prison. You had, yeah. uh, you know, these just incredible, awesome. miraculous experiences. They were being healed by just the shadow of Peter passing by. And yeah. they were sending out handkerchiefs yeah. and people were being healed. And they were, okay. there was just people uh, what 10,000 added to the church one time and you know 5,000 mm-hmm. another time a thousand another time 800 souls yeah there's just that's that's and and you said it so well and and uh, god we've put him in a box and we've said well these yeah. are the limits but let us in 2023 be willing to let god outside let, of the yeah. box yes and allow our perception yeah. And our expectation to reveal what God is and will be. Absolutely. Well said and absolutely the truth. Our churches should be supernatural. And as Paul said, I come with, there's nothing wrong with, with everything that we do. But in everything we do, we should have the power and demonstration in our churches that, that are just a healthy flow of it. Amen. 
Well, brother, I we appreciate you so much joining us, sharing your heart, your testimony. Uh, this is going to be a blessing to so honor. many people. Well, I sure thank you for the invitation, and and I pray God blessings on all of your listeners and upon you and so forth. And thank you for having me, and it has been my honor to share this time with you. Thank you so much, sir. God bless. God bless. If you could make money with little to no investment, wouldn't you want to? I'm talking about creating a consistent and passive residual income. I'm talking about making money with little to no investment. So let me just say this. If you would like to know how to make money and invest your money and make a passive residual income, reach out to me at bm underscore c-r-o-o-k-e-r at outlook.com. That's bm underscore crooker at outlook.com. Let's make money together. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.